Hello all, welcome to Kindred Spirits, the Enneagram podcast. My name is Chris Hayden, I'm the pastor at Kindred UMC and one of the hosts of the podcast to which you are now listening. This week we have a return guest, William Newberry, comes back to update us on life and love and so many things. Uh, we did have kind of a mic issue with Courtney, so there's a little bit of background noise on her track. I apologize, uh, it shouldn't be a problem in the future. Uh, as always, a, la- a like, a share, a subscribe, a review, all that stuff uh, helps us out if you are enjoying what we're doing. And with no further ado, away we go. William. Do you like William? Yeah. William. That's what most people call me. William, welcome. Welcome, William. <laughs> once again. Welcome, William. Welcome once again. That's like the Whoville. <laughs> Welcome Christmas. Pete Holmes has a great bit where he talks about, he's like, when you have to tell your Latino friend that your kickball team finally broke their winning streak. It sounds like this. One, we won one, one. <laughs> one, we won one, one. We didn't think we would, and then we finally did. We won one one. It was one to one for so long, and then we won one one. Interesting. You, you guys, you fucking plebeians. <laughs> you baseline basic. Uh, I mean, you knew this about me already. That's a hilarious joke. Mm-hmm. One one one. Mm-hmm. It's a tongue twister. Yeah. That's something. You got it. I feel like I tend to find things funny that I can relate to more. Yeah. You don't relate to one one one. What about this one? When you have to say that you edited something, I edited it. That's too many didits. I edited it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't relate to that. I mean, <laughs> I hear the annoyance in having to say that phrase. You guys are bad. You guys are you guys are dumb bad people, and I don't like it. That's fine. I do have to. I think I have to adjust my game. Yeah. I've noticed my, my lines are a little longer than everyone else's. And I don't think it's because I'm speaking louder. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, welcome, William. William, welcome. Welcome, William, welcome. Hello. <laughs> For part two, here we are again. Exciting. Well, 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 William. Welcome. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so what's um, up? What's new? Catch us up to speed. Um, what's last well, time William? you were here. Welcome and what's well, William? I don't know. I feel like that's such a loaded question. There's I always guess. something going on with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I guess, you know, like the basic stuff, work is good. Um, I did decide to like specifically kind of market towards and focus on just doing redheads at work. So I guess that's like a new thing. That's you're, like, you're like the redhead guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you are the only one that really specializes in that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I love it though. It's like kind yeah. of what I want. It's my favorite thing to do, so happy about that. Yeah. Now, is that dealing with people who are naturally red or is it dealing with people who want to go red? Uh, both? both. Both. I tend to find that... Theory in Orlando. Ask for Will. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of something that's not few and far between, but it's not as common as like some of the other hair colors, like blonde, blonde. or brown, and especially blonde in balayage. Slate, it's yeah. very. Blonde's a blank slate. It's very popular right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm very blonde because of you, so, you know. <laughs> but. Um, but. I've always, I've always been partial to like brunettes with dark eyes who kind of like can just like call you on your shit. <laughs> like dark like, and mysterious. Yeah, just like a, mm. Yeah. I like that. Um, you know. Yeah. For if you're thinking about it out there, go brunette. Brunette with bangs. That's my, I kinda wanna that's my thing. I wanna do curtain bangs again, I think. Curtain bangs. I love curtain, curtain bangs. bangs. They're, Is it just like the straight across the forehead? No, no those are their front bangs. Curtain bangs, like, they kind of separate in the center. Oh, like, like, and, like parted swoop. curtains. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I, had I them, think you should go front bangs. No, I don't think I could pull off front, front bangs. Oh, yeah, anybody can. Any, any girl can. 
I'm telling you. No. <laughs> like right across, right above the eyebrows? First of all, my hair's too frizzy and too like weirdly shaped for that. Yeah, it's you do not... have to, you do have to manage Second it. Second of all, I don't really want to put in that kind of effort every day. You do day. have to manage it. If, they, if, they, if you don't have naturally straight hair, you do have to manage it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a big commitment. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said curtain bangs. <laughs> Less commitment. And I already the, had those. Uh, the only two true loves of my life, like the girl that, I mean, to call her a love of my life is weird. The girl that I, like, was dating very seriously before I met Francisca, like, brunette, straight hair, and when she got bangs, I was like, whoo! And then Francisca... God, when she gets bangs, she goes back and forth. She like grows them out, but when she when she just does them fresh, I'm like, whoo! Like that is that is a good look. Yeah. And I wonder if it's gonna be like you like for me. I I know all these like older men in my family, and you look at what they like, and they like the like '80s like Playboy teased hair, tease it higher. Bigger, like that's what they like. I'm like, that shit looks gross, and that's what they like. And I wonder if that's how I'm gonna be with bangs. Oh my god, like bangs, like people are gonna be like, bangs, that's so like 2010, like what are you doing? And I'm gonna be like, I love bangs. I mean, I like bangs, but it has to be on the right person and like the right kind of bangs. I've never seen a like a pop star or a celebrity get bangs and it hasn't immediate like it, it's a joke around the house where when you know because they're always changing their looks all the time mm-hmm. especially in k-pop because we're we, we're really into k-pop and like when one of when one of the girls in the band gets bangs and i'll be like hey what's up with her it's like like and i won't even register that she got bangs i'll just be like she's looking good uh i mean i feel bangs. like especially in k-pop or just like asian culture in general bangs tend to flatter the features of their face because um, structurally like their faces are flatter there's also something about and like um typically asian hair is so much like straight like it just falls right down mm-hmm. like it like my hair was always but when i had hair now i'm bald as the day is long but when i had hair it was like very wavy and it could get frizzy because i lived in florida my whole life <laughs> I I'm having a hard time picturing you with wavy hair. Yeah, I ha- so I used to, you know, I had like the 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 '90s bowl cut, oh like gosh. straight down the middle, bowl cut, like shaved underneath. <laughs> it's not like, a good look. Um, not now, but in the day, I was getting pretty serious attention from it. Um, but I remember what because I was in youth group, we would go on like choir tours and stuff. And anytime we we left the state of Florida, if we just got like I don't know a hundred miles north i remember on the trips being like man my hair just cooperates so much more it's like yeah because you're not surrounded by water all the time and i just didn't have any idea that that's how hair worked it might be the type of water too i was just it was humid florida and tampa bay in particular like very humid so i just always had very frizzy very wavy hair and i was always trying to get it to be like the bowl cut that i've seen on tv you know Jonathan Taylor Thomas and all that stuff. Like, get it? Why? I'm why sorry. Who's just... Jonathan Taylor Thomas? You? Yeah, I don't know who that Google. is either. Both of you are so fucking young. <laughs> Wait, how old are you? I'm 25. Okay. How old are you? You're babies. 27. Okay. You're babies. You don't even know how things work. You'll find out. Oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've gone on long enough about haircuts. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. William, yes. what brings you back? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, this is the time where I would ask, have you had the chance to take the test, and are you ready to reveal your number? But this is ground we've already tread. Right. So um, I'm curious, what interested you in coming back again? I don't know. I had fun the last time, and I always like hanging out with Courtney, and... <laughs> We were kind of talking about it, so I was like, yeah, I'll totally revisit. Okay, all right. Let's see if we can tread some new ground then. Yeah. Which is a hard thing, because last time you were on, you were incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. You were very, 
very <laughs> forward. With, I mean, like in a good way. I don't mean because forward kind of kind of has a negative connotation. Uh, you were very like uh, honest and upfront about like, yeah, this is what I'm dealing with right now. Um, would you remind us what your enneagram type is? I'm a four wing three. Yeah. Um, which is the individualist. I don't know anything about that. With a little bit of um, the achiever mm-hmm. in me. That's the three. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the four being labeled individualist? I think as far as being an individualist, I'm like, I lean a lot into that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I you very like much... want to be unique? Mm, it's not even particularly... Like, I don't even know if I want to use the word unique, but I'm I just like unique. being myself. Yeah. Like, I don't have to so much be different from everybody else, but I don't ever want to feel like I'm being like forced or I don't ever want to feel like the situation that I'm in is making me not be myself. Is too much, like being too much a thing for you? Cause like I know for a lot of type fours and even for me sometimes, I'm not a type four, but I resonate with this. Um, the concept of being told like you're too much, like can be hurtful or like sad. Um, like somebody telling me I'm too much? Yeah, like you're being too much, like you're doing the most. I think sometimes I can do the most. Yeah. So. Yeah. So like I, I'm a type four. Uh, I don't have a problem with that at all. Because if somebody told me you're too much, I'd be like, "Fucking good, deal with it." Like this is who I am. I mean, yeah. But sometimes, you know, I feel like, at least for me, I feel like I can get carried away. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to maybe sometimes be grounded a little bit, which is something that I feel like. So last time I was here, I was single, and now I'm in a relationship. Were you single? Yes. Yes. Were you? Yeah. Have I just known about your relationship then? Maybe. Maybe. It feels... Somebody go fact check this. Somebody go look back, go listen to it. I know for a fact. I feel like you He was definitely single. Yeah. I feel like you mentioned somebody last time. I did. It's actually funny because the last time I I was here... The person that I was talking about, I had recently stopped seeing. Oh. And that's actually who I'm in a relationship with now. Oh, it's on again, off again. Well, it was just once. Yeah. And I think it was... Yeah, that's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's the kind of person that, like, is very reluctant to start something. But, like, once he starts something, he fully leans into it. And then I'm the kind of person that'll dive right into something. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm in it, I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. I'm like, was this the right choice? Did I do the right thing? Um, so how's that been? It's been great, actually. Yeah. How'd you guys meet? We met on Tinder. Yeah. It's a modern love story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've literally, anytime I've ever gone on a date or met up with anybody, it's lit. With the exception of one person who introduced us, like we were introduced through a mutual friend, every other guy I've ever went on a date on with, dated, been with, has been through like the internet or apps or something. Okay, now wave me off if this is like an obnoxious question. Uh, how does Tinder for gay dating compare to Grinder, which is specifically for gay dating? So, as f- I feel like in the straight world, people look at Tinder like a hookup app, but in the gay world, it's m- it's our more serious app because we have <laughs> Grinder. Like eHarmony or whatever. Basically, because <laughs> Grinder is like Grindr forever match. It's like a cesspool. Like you, if you're on that app, <laughs> you're literally looking for like I, sex. You don't even care about names. I am. I don't so want to know anything glad. about you. I'm so glad I found my wife before the advent of Tinder and grind like like there were some there was eHarmony and whatever the other ones were i can't remember what Christian they were Christian Mingle I definitely never fucking did that <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah there were you know the, even that came later where it got oh, like like there's one that's like farmers farmers only farmers only I don't know why i know all yeah. of this don't um, There's actually like multiple farmers ones. Yeah. Really? There's like a farmer's meat too. 
Like, I guess what? there's just a lot of single farmers. Yeah, it's got to be hard. I mean, you got to get up early. You got to work all day. And then, and then, like, you don't have time to go to the bar. And if you go to a bar, it's probably, like, a 40-minute drive into town. And there's probably not a lot to choose from. I know, and I say this, I come by it honestly. My, my wife's family are farmers. Like, or at least part of them, you know? Like my, my wife's, my, my father-in-law owns a farm in Abilene, Kansas. And it's, and we've, you know, we've been there to see him and visited. And it's like, oh my God, I can't imagine being single in this setting. Yeah. It's like, who the fuck, like the town is so small and your house is so far away from anything even resembling some kind of a social gathering. Like this is a nightmare. So I think that's why there's so many farmer dating apps. Interesting. <laughs> I learned a new fact today. Yeah, I, I, that's my hypothesis anyway. Um, okay, so back to my original premise. So what you're, what I hear you, I think I hear you saying, is Grinder can be pretty much like, a, like just explicitly hook up. Mm -hmm. Let's fuck and never talk again. Yeah, that's that's what. And then Tender is. is is more reliable for a like. Hey, I had fun last night. Mm -hmm. Kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. God, I'm so glad I didn't have to do this over the internet. So he recently like came over here, right? You guys were long distance yes, for a while before that? Yes, because he was in Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah. How's that been? Um, I mean, it's been great. It's, things, it's like so much easier. I bet. There was, it's just like, it's, there's so many. How did you initiate in the long-term relationship from far away? Or like... In a in a relationship from far away, not long term but long distance. What do you mean? Uh, yeah, I'm confused. You said also. he he was in Jacksonville when you guys first started kind of dating. Mm -hmm. Like how do you, how does that work? Um, he how was do you just meet somebody in Jacksonville when you live not in Jacksonville. Well, Tinder. Yeah, but I what do you guys just like meet in the middle? Oh no, like, he would he just always would drive to me. Oh, it must be nice. Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you look very proud of yourself <laughs> i mean no i i would always offer to visit him but he's like no i'll come to you okay great <laughs> i'm not gonna fight him on it yeah it's, it's whatever i don't have to drive yeah do you know what his enneagram type is he's a two. Oh. yes we love a fellow enneagram too <laughs> how do you know anything about type twos yeah 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 so how's that like work with a four and a two in a relationship um, I don't know. I I feel like I never really thought of it like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I definitely like see the two-ness in him a lot. Yeah. And his like... So two is, for those who don't know... The helper. The helper supporter. Yes. And I definitely can see like his need for validation and his willingness to put his own wants aside for other people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a conversation I have to have with him a lot. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not just about me and how I feel. And sometimes I feel like that's how he looks at it. Mm -hmm. And I literally just had a conversation with him the other day where I, I literally said to him, I was like, I don't want you to lose you trying not to lose me. Right. And I feel like that's something that I could see that happening. Is so four-ish of you. So four-ish? I so hardcore identify with that. <laughs> I well, don't want you to lose you. Like, I think, that, again, I don't like calling the four the individualist. I, I, like, I don't think it's a good label. Um, there, there's something in it that has more to do with uh, sincerity and... Be your being your selfishness, you yeah. Know? Like, um, and I, 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 I say it when it's I say it like when it's focused on me all the time about I I actually feel loved and seen even if somebody's sharing criticism with me, so long as it's coming from a genuine, honest place. Mm -hmm. The inverse is also true, and that's what I hear you saying. It, it, like. I don't want you to, it, it would 
it would be hurtful to me for you to not be yourself around me. Like that would be a bad thing for me. Um, even if being yourself means I don't always get what I want, the thing that I want more than that is to know that I'm with someone who's being themselves. Like, and I think that's the essence of fourness, I think. Yeah, I think somewhat there is like, I, I appreciate when people can like fully be themselves and because I, I think the reason, like one of the main reasons I said that to him is because in the past, I have very much been that person where I would lose myself and give up anything that mattered to me or I cared about, or I would push all of that aside to try and make someone else happy not to lose them. And I'm not like that anymore. So I can like, I know what it's like to do that and how that makes you feel. And I just, I'm not gonna get into like detail about what we were talking about, but right. I just, I, I wanted him to know that in the moment it might seem like a good idea. Like, you know what, whatever, like I just won't do that anymore, or whatever. But like, in the long run, if he gives up everything that he likes and he cares about and that's important to him for me, he's gonna end up hating me. Yeah. yeah, it's not a good strategy for, no. uh, for a long-term And I just, I was telling him, like, I'm having this conversation not because I want you to do what I want, but I just want you to understand that we kind of just, for certain things, we just have to meet each other in the middle. For sure. Like, we're both going to have to give up a little bit so we can both be happy, but there's no, like, you don't have to give it up completely. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, so I have a, I have a few things. So... These are all going to be separate thoughts, and you can pick which one we go to. My first thought is, it's interesting that you say that you've been in that position um, to me because a four in stress channels big type two energy, and that's like their stress number. So they can become very needy, very clingy, very dependent, um, very much, very much will lose themselves to meet the other person. Desperate might be another word that you would use. I've never even heard no. of that. I've never been that. That's, that's the first point I have. The second point that I have is that similar but different. So a four goes to type two in stress, but a type two goes to type four in growth. Mm -hmm. So there's an interesting like conundrum there because like as a type two, like hearing you, if I was your boyfriend and I heard you say that to me, like that would mean a ton to me, but that's fucking hard. <laughs> like it's hard because half the time as a type two, like I, I so, don't even stop to think to ask myself what it is that I want because what I want yeah, let's press is to, to be with you. So like it, as best you can. Oh boy, all right. Yeah, let's press into sure. the, the feeling of it. Because I, I, I just find it so much more helpful to actually identify, it seems so base. It seems yeah. so just like not helpful, but it actually is the most helpful tool that I have in my toolbox. Um, what, in the idea of like a, a partner for coming to you and being like, I want you to be yourself. What do you like? Uh, it doesn't like, you're a four, so like even like yeah, but we're not partners. Okay, so you know, romantic. Like, yeah, we're we, you know we're we're like coworkers for sure. sure and friends. Sure. But it's not like like we don't have to share household. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, to, I think it's we don't have to share so physicality it's, it's hard together. To like, <laughs> it's hard to vocalize what that would be like because I'm not in a relationship with a four. Now I can tell you. How did you feel when you heard Will saying, like, this is how I was feeling in dealing with my, I don't know what what language you prefer, partner kind of seems strong. I don't know if you guys are dating. I don't want to put too much I pressure on the relationship. I just call him my boyfriend. <laughs> boyfriend? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so like, like hearing Will talk about a boyfriend who is your type being like, Hey, what, Honestly, sometimes feel? I feel frustrated because a lot of times when I am like, try, when I'm trying to be myself and put myself out there, that still in some capacity is going to look like people pleasing and like, 
meeting your needs because that's just part of who I am. And so there will be times where I'll feel like I'm doing a really good job, like being true to myself. Mm -hmm. But then also like, so there's like a little bit of like shame in that too. Cause it's like, well, fuck, like I'm trying, but like this, this is a little Obviously bit, it's not the right It's time, part right? of my identity. And also the other thing is, are you mad at me? Like that's as a type two, that's like, the question I ask them most frequently. Like, so like frustration and fear. Yeah, like. like even with Matt, like I'll literally like ask a question and he'll answer the question. I'll be like, Matt, are you mad at me? And he's like, Courtney, <laughs> no, I'm not mad at you. Uh, why, what, what would I be mad at you for? What did you do? You asked the question, okay. That was like when I told him I needed to talk, that was the first thing I said to him. I was like, I'm not mad or upset. Yeah. But there are some stuff we need to talk about. Yeah. Because it's not like, like I wasn't mad or upset, but I'm like, we definitely need to talk about this stuff because if we don't. Well, it's important. Right. It's, it's vastly, and it's honestly like, as a type two who has, so, I mean, I don't know your boyfriend's life experience or like story, but I know my own and my own. You should be on the podcast. <laughs> I was gonna bring him tonight yeah. so he could like be here, but he had to work, so. My, but like for me, for years, I was surrounded by a group of people that I thought were some of my closest friends that I was, con and it wasn't there, like they didn't tell me to do this, but because I was desperate for people to like me and be my friend, I would constantly focus on their needs. I would constantly like people please. I would only take the option that was most convenient for them. So it would even be things like, where do you want to go for dinner, Courtney? I don't care, we can go wherever you want. Okay, you want Panda Express? Sure, I didn't want Panda Express, but I said I did to appease that person because I didn't right. want to be difficult. And then, recently in the last like two and a half, three years, which I guess isn't all that recent, but still feels very recent to me, all of a sudden I have friends like you and friends like my friend Bridget and friends like you and like friends that like will call me out on my shit when I'm doing that and will be like, Courtney, what do you want for dinner? Oh, I don't care. We can go wherever. Courtney, I asked you, what do you but, want? What do you want for dinner? But do you really want something right. for dinner? Uh, do, you, do you really not care where we go? Because if you have an opinion yeah. like that matters and that like, it's on, almost kind of like years of unlearning. What if that do you makes want? Sense. Like I lived so much of my life thinking these people were my true friends and the minute it wasn't convenient for them, for me to be their friend, they like ghosted. Whereas now like I have a lot of real friends and like I still, because of all the years of this over here, question like, right. oh, is Kristen mad at me? Oh, is William mad at me? Oh, is Matt mad at me? And it's like, no, no one's, no one's mad at you because you expressed an opinion. Right. Or maybe they are, and that's their problem. Yeah, it's a, I you guess know? that's it. It's not my responsibility. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, fucking, now we got to go to Chick-fil-A because Courtney wants it. Like, yeah, sounds like, a, sounds like a you problem, my dude. It's funny because I feel Everyone like... Everyone else agreed with me. Sounds like a you problem. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the things that you brought up are kind of just maybe like side conversations or things I've said to him in passing. Like, I've definitely told him before, like, People who only hang out with you out of when it's convenient for them, those aren't for real friends. Yeah. Like things that Dude. people do out of convenience, it's not because they're your friend, even though they might say they are. And right. you might feel like they care about you, but somebody who cares about you isn't gonna have you in their life only when it's convenient for them. Right. I, so I, I again, I identify with that hard personally. Like I so very quickly um, I, I've noticed that a lot of people have some kind of a latent guilt about like, like, oh, well, I'm trying to make this friendship work and it's not working. And like for me, I go like, eh, it's not working. Like, you, oh, okay. Well, yeah, you, I definitely you, have latent guilt. Yeah, you don't want to make time for me. I don't want to make time for you. Like if it works out, it works out. Great. But it seems like it's not working out. For Peace. me, like I don't want to be the one responsible for the friendship ending. Like I have this fear of being blamed for 
it going wrong because I feel like I try and try and try and try and then it still doesn't quite work out but I don't want it pinned on me that Mm -hmm. it didn't work out I'm fine with it being like mutual like if we mutually decide that we're not friends anymore like yeah but who talks that way no one Right? No one talks that way. I understand this yeah. is irrational. Yeah, no one I'm talks not that saying way. it's rational. But like if it's like mutual or if it's like, oh, we've just grown apart, whatever. But I one of my big irrational fears is that it's gonna get talked about and spread around that it was my fault that the friendship ended and I'm the bad person and I'm not doing enough and I'm not meeting enough needs. Yeah. But I mean healthy you, like Well, do you identify with that sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I wanna do you identify with that feeling at all? No. Me neither. I'm well. I think the main I, like, reason I that I so don't identify with totally that different is because I really, like, I really truly don't care what other people think, and also like I'm not afraid to be alone. Mm. So interesting. Like with those two things combined, I don't really like if I don't really give a shit what you have to say or what like other people have to say. I'm not really gonna care. Like whether or not people are spreading rumors or whatever the like whatever the drama is and i don't really care about losing a friend because if there's if i lost a friend there's a reason and i don't need them in my life anyway Hmm. um but also i i have a lot of like uh i'm never gonna see them again like that's that's what's happening like i don't care what they say about me i'm never gonna see them again like yeah i'm never even gonna know it I also know like people who are like confident and healthy and in like a, a good place, they're not, they tend to form, like I form my own opinions about people. Mm-hmm. And like, if I hear something about somebody, I'm not gonna be like, oh, well, I heard Courtney is like a bitch and she's a right. bad friend. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for you for feeling that way, but I've never really met her, so. How am I supposed to have that opinion? Right. So I think even if there's like rumors going around, I like whatever. It's a little bit of a like a filter. I, 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 again, I, this is something that really I identify with. It activates for me. I have this filter where like if I'm really interested in somebody, I'm like, hey, what are you about? And then they turn out to be kind of, sh- they respond to that in a sh- like a shitty way. Mm-hmm. I don't go like, oh no, like what did I do wrong? Like I you don't have superpowers or some shit, well, what the fuck? What I naturally do is like, you responded to, hey, who are you in a shitty way? Oh, it turns out you're shitty. Like, so I don't care how you, I, I don't care about your opinion about me now. Like, and maybe you're not shitty, but it's just like not clicking, you know, like. Yeah. Like, hey, well, hey, fair enough. It's not clicking. So means that means I really don't give a shit about like your strong opinion about me. Now it gets rougher when I get very close to people, and then they like I've had a I've had a few like a few occasions where I've been really close to somebody, and I felt like they turned on me. Hmm. Not not like they're like, hey, I have some feedback for you and you need to hear this. Not like genuine criticism, genuine feedback, kind of like, hey man, I'm concerned. Not that. I've had plenty of that and it's helped me out almost all the time, you know? But times when somebody's been really close to me and they've turned on me all of a sudden, and I've been like, what the fuck just happened there? Um, like, you know, I don't want to name names or anything, like I, but I can, I can picture faces when I think of that. Um, that fucks me up. I, like, have you ever had anything like that? I mean, if the relationship, like once I feel like I get close to somebody, then the relationship is like important to me. Mm-hmm. So like, yes, I don't care what people like think about me and I don't, I'm not afraid to be alone, but like if I have a close relationship that I really appreciated and I held like close to me, it's like, it's not easy if it ends or whatever reason. Like, I definitely have a grieving process that I have to go through. Um, but Do you perceive that, is that different from like most other people's normal grieving process? Because everyone, you know, you, you break up with somebody, you're gonna go through that. Hmm, I, I, it depends. Like, I feel like 
I, for me, it's like a very kind of like sad and like cryy, like grieving process. Some people like to go out and party or some people will throw themselves into work. I don't know. For me, it's just like, it's, for me, it's almost like mourning a loss. Yeah. And then like once I get over that, like I'm fine. But like if I, if I end up like, if for whatever reason a relationship in my life ends and then I go through that mourning process... Like once I come out on the other side, it's almost like, I don't know, like something switched in me. Mm. And now I, it's like that person, it doesn't. I, I really identify with that. Like I, I could care less what they think or what they say or what they're doing or. There's something about the like, and I think this is four-ishness. Um, all I really need is, is kind of space and just nobody getting in the way of uh, I, I'm I just I'm okay with the fact that I'm gonna need to be sad for a time. Like that being sad for a time doesn't frighten me or like I and and I I can even kind of relish in it. Like if I just like the you know the last big breakup I had was was the girl before my wife you know, and I remember the feeling of like. You know, I'm really not worried about this. I, but I am. I just need to be sad for a bit. And if I'm, if you'll just let me, if everyone will just let me be sad for a bit, and I'll know when, and it'll be fine. And like there, there's like a security in that. There's like a. I don't. It's hard to describe. I think for me, sometimes I can. I almost kind of just want to skip the grieving process. Mm. Like, well, that would be nice. <laughs> so I think. Sometimes at first I'll put up a front like, well, you know what? It is what it is and I don't care. Mm -hmm. And I'll try to just like avoid it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I, f I feel like I try and sometimes I, sometimes I, I don't try. And right. like, that's when some of my friends will kind of call me out on it. And they're like, you don't really want to go back to your old ways, do you? Because old me, like I just repressed everything. Mm. I was just like a vacant, emotionless <laughs> Person. I have a hard time picturing you that way. I know. I just, it's, uh, I feel like. So, okay, this is a question I was going to ask earlier, but we kind of got off on more interesting topics. What changed? Because that's, it's another point that I really identify with you on. Like, I similarly had like a before and after kind of experience like that. So what happened? Well, I mean, I think as a person, I'm constantly changing. And I think I yeah, change a lot. But that's not what I'm asking. I know, but <laughs> I mean, we're all constantly changing. But this is drastic. This is the kind of change people lo desperately long for. Well, I feel like for a long time I was like that, and then I finally just started like dealing with a lot of things and like facing a lot of problems I had never faced before. And I feel like that just kind of like opened a lot of doors for me. Was there like a, like kind of a catalytic moment? Like a, was there anything that you can go back to and be like, this is kind of when I decided to start doing that? I think honestly what started, like what pushed me, my boyfriend's name is Victor. Mm -hmm. So the first time we dated, he kind of, messaged me one day and he was like hey so basically like i've been just feeling like i don't really know for like a month he was just like i've been feeling like i don't really know what i want blah 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 um and so he kind of ended things and i was like for some reason and this is i feel like this is kind of when me and courtney started to get really close because i was yeah. talking to her a lot like about a lot of things mm -hmm. and i just kind of I was feel that, like I remember the grieving process. I mean, yeah, it definitely helped. Do you, do you process out loud? Mm, not really. Okay. But I think that's a that's a thing that I do. That's I'm just we've had so many points of connection that I'm I'm I find myself just searching for like how, how alike are we? Sometimes <laughs> I, I feel like I don't like to grieve out loud because I feel like a lot of people, no matter how good their intentions are and how much they care about you. Every, like a lot of what comes out of their mouth is very them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you have a conversation with people, it's hard for them to remove themselves from the conversation and kind of 
look at it from both sides and just be like a neutral party. Or and even I just think, give you space to feel how you want to feel right. about topics. And I think yeah. Courtney is very much like that. So I know when I talk to Courtney, she's not judging me. She wasn't judging Victor. She was just looking at the situation and kind of like, this is this like this is how it is. And you know what I mean? Like I feel like these are some things that you need to look at and whatever. And so I feel like with her, I was able to talk out loud because it was just like a, an easy conversation to have. And I feel like, you know, another person that I feel like is like that is Sarah. Oh, for sure. Because she is very much a neutral party always. And she plays devil's advocate, which mm -hmm. while can be annoying, it's very much appreciated because sure. especially when you're in your emotions, you can be a little unreasonable sometimes. There's something about, at least for me... You uh, need to be allowed to do that. What? Like, like the heart needs space to be irrational. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm a, I'm a psycho and like it's very easy for me <laughs> to go from like zero to 100. Yeah. And I mean, I'm like also like I'm Italian and I was like I grew up in New York. So like I have a bad temper. <laughs> I... And the littlest things can set me off. So, so I really feel like I need, like I need people to ground me. I hear what you're saying. I, I definitely, again, I, I identify with that. My wife serves like a lot of that role in my life. You know, she like very nobly serves that role in my life. Um, also, I have this fundamental like belief that. Um, Talking yourself out of your emotions is not really effective. I mean, I don't really. And so there's something about giving voice to emotion in a safe space where it's not like, it's not like I'm gonna take a fucking crowbar. I'm not gonna go out of there and fucking like. It's not that. It's the like. No, you get to talk to somebody who isn't gonna be hurt by you expressing yourself, and is and you can give voice to that emotion. And you're like, you know what? Uh, I know this is irrational and it doesn't make any sense, but I hate that guy right now. You know, like I want, I, I hate him and I'm angry at him. And there's something about the ability to kind of air that. I, I really, I believe that that is one of the most, uh, it's kind of the thing that's missing in like American culture. Um, we don't have a lot of that. Like we either have the, I feel how I feel, and if the if I feel like the sky's red, then that's that's how it is. And it's like, well, that's not good. You need grounding. Um, but then we also have the the other side, which is like, um, you know what? I'm not angry, not angry at all. Being angry would be violent and bad, and I don't feel angry. You know what? I'm more just disappointed. And then you, what that leads to is like like shooting somebody on the highway. Mm -hmm. Like it leads to rage, you know? And we're, we're missing this middle, which I, th I feel, I mean, like, I don't mean to put words in your mouth. It sounded to me like you were kind of articulating this middle where you were able to actually talk about some of that stuff, but you didn't have to act on it. Like it, it wasn't like your anger or your frustration or your sadness or whatever was in the driver's seat is the phrase I always use. Like. It's, it's helpful to give voice to the feelings while not allowing them to grab hold of the wheel, you know? Right, I mean, well, like, that's what I mean by, I don't ever, like, pretend my emotion, now I don't ever pretend like my emotions aren't there or suppress them or whatever, but I, I definitely, like, I, I, I take it too far. Mm. So yeah. I need people to ground me and to, to tell me to relax. I think there's something too, and this is what I was gonna say, we, on the opposite end of that, like something that I found very valuable in like disciple group stuff and working with you is like, when we feel that anger, that frustration, that like utter rage, like how do we have empathy for the other person that's also just doing their best? That is literally, it's yeah. so crazy that you say that because I just had a conversation with Sarah like maybe two days ago 
And it was like, I was very much in that moment where like, I was pissed and I was just being irrational. And I was like, this is ridiculous, fuck him, whatever. And Sarah's like, well, I think you need to like give him a little bit of grace and think about like, one thing that she said to me was, think about how you would want him to react if you were in his shoes. Like, if I was him and he was me, how would I want him to react? Hmm. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> I mean, I guess looking at it like that, I would want him to be a little more understanding than I'm being right now. Right. So I feel like for me, I just can really appreciate that instead of like, I feel like I have some friends who can, who are like on both ends of the spectrum. Like I'll talk to them and I have some friends who are maybe a little too sympathetic and forgiving on his end. And then a little, t they lean a little too much into my anger hmm. where they're like, yeah, fuck him. You don't need that. Like yeah. he's strong and independent. And I'm like, I don't really feel like either of those are helpful. Cause it's and like- And also both can be true. Right. Well, so like I, I, this is an analogy I learned very early on in my adolescence. Um, a lot of times we think that balance is like crowding the center. Like to have good balance, we like stay in the middle. But if you think about like a tightrope walker, like a tightrope walker with good balance has this long pole that extends to both mm. extremes. And that's what real, that's a better analogy for balance. That's interesting. I mean, um, that's cool. And so the reason I bring that up in this particular example is, so one of the, like what you were saying where, where your friend was, was talking to you about like, how would you want them to respond? Like, I think that's, that's a brilliant way to engage. Um, a lot of times what we, when we are in those types of conversations in our discipleship process, the first thing that we try to do is, um, when X happened, what did you feel? Like, let, let's give voice to the feeling first so that you can like actually have some air, you know? Like, you are allowed to feel sad or mad or guilty or whatever. You know, like, pick a, pick a word that fits you. Pick a word off the wheel. Yeah, and we literally have, here, here it is right here, the emotion wheel that has like categories of different types of emotions. And like when people are struggling, we hand them the wheel and be like, see if you can find something that you resonate with, you know? And then after that, the next question is, it's very similar to what your friend asked. It's, it's kind of getting at the same thing. It's um, how do you think in that moment, how do you think, it's almost, it's funny because it's almost always, how do you think your dad felt? Like it's almost always apparent. <laughs> Like, when, when my dad said X, I felt Y. And then the next question is, how, how do you imagine they felt? And use a specific emotion word. And usually that's enough to get into the, oh, we're all just humans here, aren't we? Like, we're all humans doing our best. I mean, like, there are certainly exceptions. Don't get me wrong. There are, there are times when people are literally visiting harm on other people. Um, but in these instances, most of the time, the, like, the normal trauma that we all suffer from just being alive, from being humans who are born into families with specific proclivities and specific desires for our life and, like, and that conflict or cooperate with the desires that our parents, like all that shit, you know? Um, just by the nature of all of that inherent kind of like conflict, the normal everyday trauma that we have and grow up with almost always can be boiled down to like, how did you feel now? Now that, now that we embrace you and you're allowed to feel that way, how do you imagine they felt now? <laughs> like, now what is that? Like, there's something about that process that is like, it's like a, you know, a pressure cooker. It's like turning the little valve on the pressure cooker. It just, pssst, just all the steam kind of releases, you know? Mm -hmm. There's something about that that's like almost magical. Yeah, I mean, it's just that thing of like putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Yeah. 
It's like a lot easier to be understanding when you can That's see where they're coming hard from, to too. Do. Like, I, I agree with you how important it is, but it's also remarkably difficult to do. Yeah, but I mean, in, depending on who you're doing it for, like, if you care about them enough, then you'll just, like, you'll just do it. You know what I mean? And if you don't, then, like, if you don't care enough to see somebody else's side, depending on the kind of relationship, it, like, especially if it's like a romantic relationship, if you're not going to do that, then why are you even with them? If you don't care enough to understand them. I, I agree with you. Uh, like, I would say, I think that is absolutely correct. The one part where I would disagree with you a little bit in sentiment is the, I, I think most everybody has a radical, hard, difficult time doing that. At least that's been my experience. Like, you're right. That, yeah. is, that, that is the nature of love. That's the nature of camaraderie, you know, whether it's romantic or friendship or familial, like that's the nature of like love and grace and, and human connection for sure. Um, but it's all like, I don't think it comes as naturally to everyone. You know, there's actually something that Sarah said to me the other day that like stuck, it like stood out to me more than anything else. And she literally said, are you fighting to prove you're right or are you fighting to fix a relationship? And I was like, enough. Uh, like, stop being right. You know what I mean? Get off but like, I, it makes sense. And I think that kind of yeah. plays into what we were just talking about, yeah. where I think a lot of people are stubborn. And when they initiate an argument, regardless of what the topic is and who it's with, I think once you get into an argument, you're, you're arguing to prove that you're right and the other person's wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's not about the consequences anymore because when you're, yeah. when you're trying to prove you're right, you don't care. That's you're just trying right. to prove you're right. Yeah, completely and true. And in that moment, you could be destroying a relationship. So like to step back and be like, okay, wait a minute. Am I arguing right now to prove a point? Or are we having this argument or discussion because we're trying to fix something or make sure we can have the healthiest possible relationship right. and move forward from it. So that begs the question to me anyway, and this is, I, I'm getting at the heart of kind of what I think I, I'm articulating something that is very, very crucial and important to, to the work that I think I've been called to. It begs the question, what you just described, why am, why am I willing and wanting to die on that? Why is it my natural instinct, unless I like pull myself out of it with my intellect? Like, why is it my heart's desire to die on this hill, knowing that this is going to disrupt and fracture and be a problem for the relationship that I care about? What is going on inside of me that I am unaware of that's driving me to do this. Mm. And that's the work of the, the, our discipleship groups and the, and the work that we're doing is, is entirely centered around, like, like, so what you're describing, the ability to be like, why don't you just stop and think about it? I completely agree with you. Almost no one has the ability to do that most of the time. Like when you find yourself in, in that type of an argument, almost every human is willing to die on that hill and they don't fucking know why. Well, I think genuinely, I think it's just because nobody mechanisms. Well, yeah, but nobody wants to admit that they're wrong because admitting yeah, that you're wrong is admitting I think it's that you have that. flaws and nobody wants to like, nobody uh, yeah. really wants to acknowledge that it's the specificity of the flaws too. Because, because it manifests in different ways. Like everyone has different hills that they want to die on. You know, like, uh, like uh, every relationship that I've been in has had kind of diff differing points of contention. You know, like uh, my high school girlfriend and my, uh, you know, my ex-wife and my current wife, like we have differing points of contention. And it's because there's an interaction that happens between like her specific coping mechanisms and the way that her personality is based on 
her genetics and her upbringing and her specific experience of trauma and combined with mine, all of that. And they meet and they clash in specific ways in specific areas and almost all of that is subconscious. Like it's not something that I'm aware of. I'm not aware that what's like, and, and certainly it's very helpful to be able to kind of like step back in those moments and kind of intellectualize it. Like that is a very helpful tool. It just doesn't happen for most people. Uh, and it doesn't work for most people consistently. And so I think one of the things that I, uh, that I have found is very, very helpful is actually beginning to address what I think is the driving force for all of that, which is, is, is the trauma that lies underneath all of it. It's the, like we learn these coping mechanisms to defend ourselves against certain things that we have suffered or, you know, like uh, things that we can't reconcile in our brains, that kind of stuff. And so we develop coping mechanisms mm -hmm. and then those coping mechanisms kind of come and everyone has them. Like there's no guilt or shame in it. Everyone has them. But then those coping mechanisms come out against each other and they can lock jaws like two pit bulls, and you can find yourself um, just talking about like, um, hey, you didn't um, empty the dishwasher this this week. And that can turn into like, your, and your mother's not fucking coming to live with us. I don't care how sick she is. Like it can turn into ridiculous over the top arguments and like, not, I mean, like it can turn to violence, but like it turns into rage, you know? And we're not, in sh we're not entirely sure why. And so I think there's a lot of work for most people in like, why don't we address the trauma of, that's almost always occurs in childhood first. And then that will lead to letting down some of the defense mechanisms. And then all of a sudden you can find yourself, instead of saying, why didn't you empty the dishes? You can say something more helpful, which I think is something like, um, when I do a lot of work and I find that I'm not being helped in that work that benefits both of us, I feel ignored. Like, which is way better than like, how come you didn't empty the fucking dishes? Like, what's going on? You know, like, you can have an actual conversation because the defense mechanism isn't there and the trauma is like, has been met, you know, has been like acknowledged. Anyway, we, we are getting towards the end. I don't want to like uh, go too long. Um, and I certainly have a proclivity to go too <laughs> long. Um, we always end with a cheers. Unless there's anything like uh, left unsaid that you would really, really like to say. I don't think so. Okay. Sweet. We always end with a cheers. Um, does anybody have one that they're ready to share? I'll go. Okay. I'll go. I'm going to cheers to William. And I'm very proud of you. And I'm so happy to have you in my life. And yeah, I'm just thankful to be your friend. Oh. That was very sweet. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> um, so I will cheers to uh, getting to the bottom of the subconscious mm. kind of coping mechanism-y kind of stuff and the ability to really genuinely connect specifically with romantic partners. Because mm. uh, let's face it, after you're a grown person, those are the most significant relationships in your life. Yeah. What would you do? You, would you like to cheer? You don't have to. Um, I mean, you kind of have to. It can also be like not serious at all. <laughs> um, I'll what? just cheers to. Do redheads. No, I'm gonna cheers to. Um, uh, Sarah's quote. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and arguing to fix something, not to prove, prove your point, prove you're right. 
Yeah. I like that a lot. I like that too. Yeah. That's, that's very good advice. I think if you stop for a second and think about that in every argument, it can probably, it can probably make that argument end in a lot, in a lot better yeah. terms. And Just like take a big swallow. Mm. Nice sound effect. <laughs> and be like, ah, I don't actually care about that. Yeah. I care about this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm getting this. I don't know why I'm fighting anymore. I think there's a I think there's a lot of truth to that. All right. All right. Cheers. 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 Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks for coming, Will. You're welcome.